The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. And lo, I am with you always. In chapter 1, the Bible says they would call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. And in chapter 28, he closes the book with a promise. I am with you. He fulfilled the prophecy. He is with us. And Jesus told us, hey, we can do some things without fear because he's with us. We can do things with great courage and power because he's with us, and that we're going to continue this thought, God with us, and God is with us always. God is with us always. Father, I thank you for your precious word. I thank you, God, for the truths of it. I pray you help us to lean on it, trust in it. God, we're undeserved this morning. We don't even deserve to have your precious word. May we not take it for granted. God, may we stand here just amazed at our undeserved grace this morning. God, I pray that we would, as our heartstrings were pulled this morning, listen to a testimony of someone else's salvation. God, that we would not lose the pull of the heartstrings in our lives of what you did for us. God, you've done for us the same thing. You've saved us. You've forgiven us. You've bought us. You've redeemed us. You've freed us from temptation. You've freed us from the bondage of desiring all the things that are in this world. And you have given us a new family. And God, we're so undeserved this morning, but thankful. I pray that you bless, God, as we look to your word now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, There was a young girl that went to church for the first time with her grandmother, and she's just four years old. And uh, her granddaughter uh, went to the big church, if you would, for the first time. And she sat quietly, taking in every aspect of the services And her attentive curiosity stayed in check until um, the uh, pastoral prayer. The pastor said, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. The little girl's eyes flew open and she whispered to her grandmother, Granny, we're going to get presents. You know, and sometimes I think, you know, we see the presents here. I told Brother Frank we bought him some presents this morning. I told him they were here up front. And, uh, you know, we wrap presents, you know, underneath the Christmas tree. We put them there for others and and that we have presents, and we give presents. But I wonder today if we forgot about the presence that we should be focused on. And that is the presence of Jesus Christ. His presence is what's important. And, and what we celebrate at Christmas time is not presence, it's His presence. His, his being with us. The fact that He is still with us. You know, when we, uh, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday... Uh, The world calls it Easter. We come together and we celebrate the resurrection. What are we doing? We're celebrating the fact that he is still alive, that he is still with us, that he is not dead, that he's not in the grave. Aren't you glad that uh, to go to pay tribute to uh, whoever the founder of your religion is, that you don't have to go to some uh, sepulcher somewhere, that you don't have to go to some tombstone somewhere, that you don't have to go to some place where they erected a monument of him and you can remember the fact that he was here? You need not only go to the Word of God to understand that God is with us. He is still alive, and He is with us. And I hope that we're excited about that this Christmas. I hope we're excited that God is with us. You know, um, believers, uh, Matthew Henry said this, believers shall have the constant presence 
of their Lord always, all days, every day. There is no day, no hour of the day in which our Lord Jesus is not present with His church and with His ministers. If there were in that day, that hour, they would be undone. The God of Israel, the Savior, is sometimes a God that hideth Himself, but never a God at a distance. He is always with us. He is always close to us. You say, well, I can't see Him. It doesn't mean that He's not there. We understand we walk by faith and not by sight. You say, I can't see His physical presence this morning. We understand that He's real. I don't know how to explain it all the time, but I listen to someone give their testimony like that. You ask uh, Miss Gloria this morning, is Jesus real? I dare say she'd say, He's real. I know He's real. He speaks to me. He's in my heart. He's in my life, and I walk with Him each day. He is with us. You know, I think in this passage of Scripture, and we're going to stay in Matthew 28, and uh, just these uh, last two verses, verses 19 and 20, uh, we see two encouragements. The first encouragement is that uh, we, can, we can find that really in verse 18. It says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Well, all power in heaven, the whole power of heaven's love and wisdom and strength is given to him. And then he said, All power in the earth, power over persons, over passions, over principles, over all the movements uh, to bend them to this one high object, the evangelization, rather, of the whole world. That God wants to save. That is what he says all power is given unto him for. He said, I've got all power in heaven and earth. I've got all power, and he said, I'm going to be with you, and I've got all the power, and be encouraged, because aren't you glad that he's got all the power? He's all-powerful. I mean, I don't know about you, but whenever I get discouraged about circumstances or feel like things are spinning out of control, really what it is is I feel like I'm not in control. That's a scary thing. But there's never a time where Jesus is not in control because he has all power, not just in heaven, but in earth. He said all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And, uh, you know, we are to go ye therefore because of that power. That's what he starts off. He says, go ye therefore. He said, listen, I've got the power, all power in heaven, all power in earth. And then he says, you go therefore because of the fact that I've got all the power. I want you to go. But notice he didn't say, I want you to go and you're going to go alone. He said, the reason why you can go with great confidence is because I've got all power. And get this, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's why you can go with great confidence. That's why we go therefore. That therefore, that word there tells us what it's there for. It tells us the reason for, the reason behind the imperative, the command to go is the fact that God says, I'm with you and I've got the power, I've got the strength. You ever feel like uh, you don't have enough power to go? (laughs) You get up and you try to get going and you say, man, I just don't feel like it. I can't go because I, I lack the strength to go. I don't have the power to go. And God says, hey, listen, it's not your power. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. He said, I've got the power for you to go. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We run out of power when we try to do it on our own. But when we understand he is with us, he is with us. Oh boy, he's the one that's doing it. He's the one that's He's the one that's got the power. He's the one that's bringing about uh, the uh, effect. He's the one that's bringing about the result. That's an encouragement, isn't it? And then the second encouragement, and lo, I am with you always. 
He said all the days, always, forever, not only uh, to, uh, you know, perpetually that he's with us, but without one day's interruption. That's literally what that means. That word always, it means perpetual, without one day's interruption. You know, um, you ever, uh, we sometimes use this romantically. I'll love you always. Oh, oh, that sounds so nice. But you know what the truth is, the matter is, is I don't know that I've loved perpetually without one day's interruption. Oh, are you serious? You don't think? No, I'm serious. It's just sometimes I love myself. How about you? Sometimes I love something more than I should. Sometimes I love, I love myself and love my desires more than I love my Savior. Hey, that's what Jesus presented to Peter, wasn't it? He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter said, of course I love you. Of course I love you. What was Jesus trying to teach him? He said, your love's not enough. The love you have is not enough. I've got a love that's perpetual. It's without end. It's without one day's interruption. See, I think sometimes we, we define Jesus' always by our always. We think, you know, Jesus is limited to, you know, when we say all the time. Come on, when, we, um, uh, when we're uh, upset with someone, we say, you always do that. Well, we don't really mean always, do we? I mean, we don't really mean all the time without... Uh, per- and you always say that. You always do that. Yes, all, you always do. We speak in those absolutes, right? When we're, when we're, you know, righteously indignant. You know, when we're upset and we feel justified. You always do. You always, you always act like that. We use those words. And sometimes I think we're guilty of defining his always by our always. And Jesus said he would always with us. It meant perpetually. It meant without one day's interruption. You know, there's never been a moment where he hasn't been with you. There's never been a time where he hasn't been with you. Boy, there's some times where I wish he wasn't with me. How about you? Can you think of a time where you did something that you wish he wasn't around to see? Come on, there's times where we wish he wasn't with us. But here's the thing. He is with us always. He is with us always. You know, we, we want God's presence when we feel like we're in trouble and we need him. We're like the disciples on the boat. Master, we perish. You know, be with us now. But he was with them when things were good. He was with them, by the way, when they had little faith. And what was that cir- circumstance supposed to reveal? The sin of their lack of faith. He said, hey, he said, how long have I been with you? How long have I been with you? What a good question. He had always been with them. He had always been with them. They they didn't always follow him, though, did they? Because there was a time where they could go back to and say, this is where I began to follow Jesus. This is where I began to be with him. But there's never a time where he hasn't been with you. Isn't that interesting? He's always been with you. You just haven't always been with him. Those disciples... Oh, didn't he know them before they were formed? Didn't he know them? I mean, he knew them. There was never a time where he wasn't with them. Maybe sometimes, I've heard people give their testimony. There's times where you can go back to and say, before I was saved, I know God was with me here because there's no way I would have been through this. I would have made it through this. I would have been able to handle this circumstance except God was with me. He was with you, wasn't he? Even though you weren't with him, 
He was still with you. Isn't it good that God is good to us when we're not good to him? Hey, he's still with us. Hey, you know what the fact is? I understand today is that people are still breathing today. God hasn't allowed the world to spin out of orbit and existence. God is still with us. God's holding the framework. God's holding everything in his power. Hey, he's with us. What's sad is that some people haven't decided to be with him yet. They haven't decided, but he's with them. He's with them. Hey, on the cross, he identified with us, didn't he? On the cross, he identified with the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. On the cross, Jesus identified with all of those. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Those that would, those that would not, those that would follow, and those that wouldn't follow, he identified with them all. He took on their sin. What an encouragement. Let me give you some things this morning and we'll be done. Because he is with us, we can. Because he is with us, we can. Well, what's the first thing that we see in Matthew 28? The first thing we see in Matthew 28, verse 19, is the word go. Because he is with us, we can go. Because he is with us, we can go. You say, why are you so uh, excited this morning? Because I'm trying to maybe overcompensate for your lack of excitement, okay? Maybe that's what I do on Sunday morning. Um, Because he's with me, we can go. Because he's with you, you can go. Hey, church, we're the church of Jesus Christ. Not the Latter-day Saint one. The church of Jesus Christ. But we are, we are his church. And because he's with us, church, we can go. Because he's with us, we can do it. Notice, we can go wherever he calls us. Wherever he calls us, didn't he tell Joshua in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. And then the verse ends. You say, boy, that's, that's not too encouraging. You ever walk up to somebody and just say, hey, man up. Just man, I mean, just man up. I mean, just, just take it. You know, stop whining, stop being the baby. That's kind of what that verse would be without the back half. It'd be like Jesus saying to Joshua, like, stop being a baby. Just man up. Have some courage. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. No, here's the reason. Here's the bite. He says, have not I commanded thee, be strong of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. He said, this is the reason why you don't have to be afraid, Joshua. He said, I know you're scared. I I know you lack confidence. I know you lack courage. I know you've never done this before. I know you've never been here before. I know this is unfamiliar territory for you. You have reason, humanly speaking, to be afraid. You have reason, humanly speaking, to be scared. But get this. Don't be afraid because I'm with you wherever you go. I'm with you wherever you go. We can go wherever he calls us. Hey, it is that reason why missionaries can go to the foreign field, why they can go to all the world, because we can say, well, we could go to them and say, well, you need to count the costs and consider your family. Perhaps you'd be putting them in danger by going to some place where it's unsafe for them. Why can a missionary with great confidence go? Why can he with great courage understand that he is protected, that God's hedge of protection is about him and his family? Why can he do that? Because he believes that God is with him. That's why he believes that. They say the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. The safest place you can be is right where God 
wants you to be. Sometimes that means leaving the comfort zone. Most of the time, that's exactly what it means. It means that I've got to be not where I'm comfortable for myself. I've got to be where I'm believing and trusting in faith in God. Some people, when they get saved, they just never move from the sight life to the faith life because they balk at the fact or maybe doubt. Here's the thing. Maybe they were trained. Maybe they grew up and and they were let down by individuals and people never were consistently with them and people that were supposed to take responsibility for them just never, they could never really count on someone and so they've got this in them. Hey, listen, Jesus is not like that person that let you down. Jesus is not like that person that hurts you. Jesus is not like that person that abandoned you. Jesus is not that person, not that person who, 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 uh, who, who left you alone. He's never left you. He's always with you. You can go and you can trust him because he's always with you. Oh, would to God that we would hear God's call. You know, they say we're not having as many missionaries called to the foreign fields as we once did. I don't think... It's not because God's not calling. I think it's because we're not hearing. Not heeding. Not listening to the call. We need only to open the book and see go. Go therefore. We can go wherever he calls us. We can go wherever he leads us. Does not the psalmist remind us in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We can go wherever He calls us. We can go wherever He leads us. Sometimes He leads us, the Bible tells us, sometimes through the valley of the shadow of death. But I can go through that valley. I can go through that storm. I can go through that difficulty. I can go because He's with me. I can fear no evil because He's with me. He's with you. God is with us. Because He's with us, we can go. Number two, because he is with us, we can preach. Because he is with us, we can preach. The Bible says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. The emphasis of the word is to make disciples. It is to preach the gospel. It is to go and take the message of salvation, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and to take it to the lost people of our world. If God has not called you elsewhere, then he has called you to this place. And if God has called you to this place, it has not been just to sit and stew and to listen and to receive. It is to go and do. It is to take that message. You heard uh, this morning uh, from uh, Miss Gloria, she spoke. She said, as I went to work, she said, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep it in. There was people that were there and I had to talk to them. Maybe they didn't understand it. Maybe they didn't get it all, but I, I just couldn't stay. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I had to speak. You know what bothers me a little bit? People that say they're saved, but they don't like talking about their salvation. Hmm. That'd be kind of like someone rescued you, took your place. You know, you were about to die. They took the bullet for you, and you never talked about them. I dare say if someone saved your life, you'd speak about them all the time. I mean, they, they would mean something to you. Isn't it interesting that somehow, I think, because we somehow attribute salvation to ourselves, to our goodness, that we kind of take the emphasis of the fact that He saved us. That He saved us. Preaching is how, we re- our, is how we do our reaching. It's how we reach all nations with the gospel. You say, well, thank God, because I'm not a pastor, so I don't have to preach. The Bible gives the 
command to all Christians, even you ladies, here's your permission to preach. You say, I want to preach. Well, God gives you permission, not only gives you permission, but tells you his presence is with you and his power is with you. And he wants you to go and to preach the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I say this? It's an overwhelming message. Did you hear her testimony? I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. You know what she was before she got saved? She was overwhelmed with the things of the world. Overwhelmed with her problems. Overwhelmed with her sin. Overwhelmed with her temptations. Overwhelmed with her circumstances. But when you get saved, guess what? You're not overwhelmed with that stuff anymore. You just get overwhelmed with Jesus. You get overwhelmed with him. David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I don't want to be overwhelmed with my problems. I want to be overwhelmed with my Savior. He's higher. It's an overwhelming message. Jeremiah said in uh, chapter 20 and verse 9, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. Can you imagine saying that? I'm not going to talk about him anymore. I'm not going to make mention of his name anymore. I'm just discouraged and nobody's receiving the message and nobody's hearing what I'm saying. And Jeremiah preached and he prophesied and again and again he'd get up and tell the people what, what God said and they would not listen to him. Jeremiah just got discouraged, didn't he? Just like you and I would. And he said, I'm just not, I'm going to quit. I'm just going to throw in the towel. I'm done. I'm discouraged. You know, I'm, I'm doing what God says do, and I'm not seeing the result. I'm not seeing, the, I'm not seeing uh, what I want to see from this. And Jeremiah said, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire. It was shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. He said, I was so weary from trying to hold it in, I couldn't anymore. He said, I couldn't stay. I just had to speak. I just had to preach. I just had to say the truth was in me and I couldn't hold it back. That's how it's supposed to be in the life of a Christian. See, the woman at the well, when Jesus told her that she was a sinner, when Jesus revealed to her that her life was was lost and undone, that she was dead in her trespasses and sins, and Jesus offered her the way of salvation. He said, come drink of the water that I give you. You'll never thirst again. He said, what I have to eat for you, the word of life, it'll just well up in you. It'll be like, a, like kids saying that, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes a lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prisoners' doors, sets the captive free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. What's the next verse? Stephanie, you know it? Spring up, oh well. I thought you were going to jump up for me. I gave you opportunity. They, they jump up, they say, spring up, oh well, within my soul. They jump out of their seats, spring up, oh well. They love that song, Junior Church. They get up on their seats and they jump up, spring up, oh well. What are they saying? I've got this river of life and it's not just in me it's not like blood that's just circulating through my own self it's a river and it's flowing through me and it's springing up in me and it's overflowing it's an overwhelming thing and guess what she got saved and what did she do she ran down and she said come see a man that showed me everything i'd ever done go come and see come and see the invitation is to all come and see that's what she said Oh, she wasn't just saying, well, let me find some good people that might listen to the message. You know, let me just find a, you know, a cell group here or there. No, the invitation, the message was to everybody that was around, everybody within earshot. You think she was quiet about it? You think some people would have wished she would have been quiet about it? 
Yeah, I dare say there was probably about five guys in the town that wished she'd shut up. Because remember, she had some men that were not her husband. She had five husbands, and the man she was with was not her husband. There's probably some individuals in the town that wish she would just shut her mouth. And she just couldn't help it, could she? Oh, it's an overwhelming message, an overwhelming message. Number two, it's an overcoming message. It's an overcoming message. In Acts chapter 4, we, we see Paul, uh, Peter and John rather. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, uh, that they were told that they would not spread the gospel, no, no further among the people, lest it straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth, no man in his name. They take Peter and John, they say, okay, guys, you're in jail, we'll let you out. But no more talking about Jesus. Okay? No. It's not how this works. Peter and John said the thing that we went in for, you know, that's what we're going to get busy doing. By the way, when they were in the prison, they're still doing it. They didn't stop. They say, oh, for fear of being locked up. Oh, for fear of, oh, for fear. No, no, no. They threatened them. They called them. They commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Come on. Imagine trying to tell me not to speak at all. That'd be difficult. Yeah, just imagine the, the problem my wife has at home. I mean, you get this one time a week. She gets, I mean, she just has a hard time with that. I mean, I'm always up. I got my pulpit at home. I put it out in the bedroom and yeah, let her have it, you know. Some people believe that. <laughs> they commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Oh, it's an overcoming message. Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. He said, what do you think? You think that God wants us to listen to you or him? For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. He said, we have to. We can't but the things we've seen. Hey, what did he say? We are witnesses. We've seen them with our own eyes. We've heard them with our own ears. We're witnesses. We cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard. We cannot. And by the way, guess what? They let them go. You think for a second they thought they weren't going to do it? No, they knew. But get this. That overcame their circumstance. You know what they got to the point to where they just said in that instance? Well, why bother? Because we tried to intimidate them, but they weren't intimidated. You understand what we teach when we listen to the words of men over God? We teach that we can be intimidated. We teach others that, you know, if they'll just scare tactics. They tried to threaten them, didn't they? Oh, God forbid that we should ever live uh, in that type of country. Oh, God bless America. That would never be that kind of a place where we would not be able to openly preach and teach. Oh, God, help us to never go to that day. But if we ever were, listen, maybe God called you to another country. Maybe God called you to another place. Or maybe someone say, I'm not saying uh, that you're just causing problems just to cause problems. But that's not what Peter and John were doing. Peter and John were just going doing what Jesus told them to do. Preach. It's an overwhelming message. It's an overcoming message. Number three. Notice in chapter 28, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. 
because he's with us, we can follow. We can follow. Why do we get baptized? We're making publicly the declaration that we will follow Jesus Christ. We are following his example, are we not? Jesus was baptized as an example to us by John. We are following him. It is a statement. It is a declaration. Listen, if you've never been baptized, you need to make that statement. Miss Gloria got saved, went to her and said, All right, Miss Gloria, you've been saved. You need to be baptized. And she said, I'd love to be baptized. Why? Not because I mandated it to her, but because she willingly wanted to follow Christ. Listen, that's what a disciple of Jesus Christ does. When Jesus went to those, those disciples and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, you know they got up and they left everything and they followed him. What did they do with consideration for the things? Yes, they just valued following Jesus more than they valued what they had. Boy, would to God we would have that attitude. That we would value following Jesus more than anything else. That I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Andy was telling me he was doing a series with our teenagers called Not a Fan. I'm not a fan, I'm a follower. You know, some people live their Christian life like fans in the stadium. Yay, Jesus! I'm not a fan, I'm a follower. In other words, I'm not just here to, to get up and clap and to come and sit in the stadium, in the seats, you know, and just sit back and just say, oh, you know, I'm just going to... Be a fan for Jesus. I'm just going to be a cheerleader for Jesus. No, no, no. He doesn't want you to be a fan and a cheerleader. He wants you to follow him. He he doesn't want you to just, hey, by the way, guess what? The crowd who was the fan, you know what the fan crowd did eventually? They shouted, crucify him. Because when the thing, when the, when the move, when the popularity uh, ceased and when it became a problem for them, oh, they, tur- they became turncoats. They were no longer fans. They didn't follow him anymore. You notice there was a time where the Bible says they walked no more with him. And Jesus said they were not all of us. Because if they were all of us, they would have continued with us. They would have stayed with us. They would have followed. By the way, I wonder today, do you find yourself a fan or a follower? Baptize. Can I say this? It's a clear path. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. That's what Peter said. Didn't Peter understand what following me? Peter's the one that heard the call from Christ, follow me, come and follow me. Peter said, hey, this, listen, listen, listen. He said, Christian, it's not just for the disciples that heard Jesus call to them, follow me. It's that all Christians would hear the call from the word of God that every Christian is supposed to follow him. Everybody's supposed to follow It's a clear path. Number two, it's a commanded path. It's a commanded path. Luke 9, 23 says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He said, I'm with you always. Daily follow me. Hey, I'm a God where there is no time. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're here in this life and you're bound by time. And so get this. He uses the terminology we understand daily. He says every day when you get up, follow. Follow. We get that. You know what I'm I'm thankful for? That one day, there won't be every day I have to get up. One day I'll be in eternity. There'll be no question about following. But while I'm here on this earth, there's something in me that 
questions following about you. I don't need to follow anybody. I'm an individual. I'm unique. You know, I can do my own thing. You know, I, and by the way, there's people that do that all the time. People that try to do that, break away. I'm unique. I'm an individual. I don't need to be part of a group. You know, I'm against being part of a group. The church, hey, the church, God puts us together so we can follow. So we can follow. God wants us to follow. Following is not a bad thing when you're following the right person. It's only bad when you can't trust the leader. But can I say this to you? You can trust him. You can trust him. It's a clear path. It's a commanded path. And then lastly, this morning, we can, we can, because he is with us, we can learn. We can learn. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. We can learn. I put this, we can learn of him. Let me, let me let you know something. There's an invitation to learn. An invitation to learn. If you look at Matthew 20, 11, verse 28, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you've been saved, you should have been baptized. If you haven't been baptized, you need to take that step of obedience and follow him. And if you've been saved and you've been baptized, you're supposed to be discipled. That means you're supposed to learn. You're supposed to learn of him. Discipleship can take place in many different ways. It's not just a program, although I really believe in the program. And I want to launch that further in our church and really make that about everything that we do has to do with this. And the fact that when someone gets saved, it's just an automatic that they need to be baptized, an automatic they need to be discipled. You know, sometimes what we do is we see people saved and we baptize them, we never do anything with them. And by the way, can I say this? If you're a mature Christian, the Bible says you'll be reproducing. We know mature, maturity, as far as being a, a, a person, the natural part of maturity is reproduction. And as I mature, I will reproduce. But here's the thing. As, if a Christian is healthy and mature, they also will reproduce. That means that you go. That means that you preach. That means that you baptize. That means that you teach. A mature Christian will be discipling others. Discipling others. That's what he commanded us to do. Learn. There's an invitation to learn, and there's an imperative to teach. If you were to look at 2 Timothy 2.2, get this. He says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, the same. He doesn't say different. He doesn't say give them something else. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know what the job of the church, we say heart for Christ, home for family, hope for others, but really all that is is the Great Commission. That's all that is. It's the Great Commission. And by the way, we try to simplify it, but really Jesus' plan is simple. Go, win, baptize, teach. That's his, that's his plan. Get this, it's his plan for evangelizing the world. Can I say this? His plan has not ceased. His presence has not ceased. His power has not ceased. His presence has not ceased. And lo, he gives us the power behind all these commands. Just like he said to Joshua, I'm not just giving you command to man up and do this stuff. Hey, when you try to do it, you'll fail. But when you listen and understand the imperative behind this, that you go and do this, is comes with the promise. The promise is, I am with 
you. I'm with you. Hey, Christmas time, Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us. We said last week he continues with us. I'm glad that God is not bound by time. That there was, you say, well, God was more with us back in this time. You know, mankind's always been guilty of doing that. They look back and say, well, God was more with us here. God was more with us here. God was more with us here. Almost as if they're blaming God. There's never been a time where God has been less with us. You know, some people do that. There's, there's Christians today that, you know, they say, well, you know, in the 70s, church was just better because God was with us then. Hmm. It's a problem with that theology. It's not Bible. It's not biblical. The problem is, is us. It's us. It's not him. In other words, maybe there was a time, maybe there was a time in the church when more people were following. Maybe there was a time in the church when more people were disciples. Maybe there was a time where we were less fearful of going. You know what? I'm, I'm saddened by the thought of this, that somewhere along the way, we as a church have negated the thought that we must go. We have got to go. We think in our minds, don't lose it. We think in our minds, hey, someone else is going to go. But that's not it. It's, it's to us. You know, we think corporately when it comes to this command. And then we think individually when it comes to God's blessings. When it comes to God's commands, well, as a church, we're, we're corporately obeying this. There's some people in our church that are going and doing this. And so I'm going to benefit from that. But then when we think of God's blessings, we say, God bless me. And if I was to point out the corporate blessings that God was blessing, you'd say, yeah, well, what about me? Isn't it funny how we do that? We want the benefit, but we don't want to obey. As a church, if we're going to benefit corporately, we all need to obey. If you're going to benefit personally, you need to obey. You say, I've got to understand, what is God with me for? What is the point of God's presence in my life? The point of God's presence is that, yes, you would go, win, baptize, teach. That You understand he's with you. That God wants you to understand, hey, listen, I'm with you. I never left you. You don't have to be afraid. You can have courage. You don't have to be dismayed. You can have power. There's not more pow- there was not more power available to the early church, the first century church, than there is available to the 21st century church. It's the same power that's available to us. The fact is, is maybe they just were more in tune because they continued daily house to house, and to eat, eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And the truth of the matter is, is when the power fell there, they were in the upper room, they were praying. And maybe the reason why we don't have the power today is not because of his lack of presence, but our lack of prayerless, but our prayerlessness and our lack of dependence on him and his presence, or maybe just our lack of acknowledgement, the fact that he's here. God is with us. What we need to do, daily practice his presence. God is with me today. God is with me this morning. God is with me when I'm in temptation. God is with me when I'm delivered from temptation. God is with me when I face hardship and struggle. God is with me when times are good. God is always with me. There's never a time where he's not with me. He's always with me. God is with us. May we recognize that and understand that we can because he is with us. Father, I pray this morning. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, 
please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.